to seek God through Jesus? Why would it say that if Jesus is God and God is God? And there was a discussion about the Trinity, right? Why do I need to seek one to get to the same one that the other one is, right? And so here's the idea of Matthew 7, 14 to 23. It's really one verse, but I want to give you the whole picture here. The gate is narrow, okay? And the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. Beware of false prophets, like the guy I wrote about on Facebook. Well, I just shared the article, but he drowned because he was going to walk on water like Jesus did. Whether it be true or not, uh, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit. But the diseased tree bears bad fruit, okay? Remember, remember that passage in John, right? That if you are with God, you would bear fruit. If not, what happens? Your branches dry out, right? They fall to the ground and they get used for what? For fire, right? So you don't want that to happen for you. You don't want to be dried out. You don't want to just be complacent in your walk with God, okay? If you're not giving fruit or someone's not giving fruit in their Christian walk, there's something wrong. There. It's either that they haven't taken that step forward, they haven't really understood it, or they have and they've just been disobedient. So every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Not everyone, this is, a, this is what I want you to emphasize on this morning, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, I will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who's in heaven on that day. Many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Okay? And I think when the Bible says the word prophesy here, I don't think it's necessarily talking about the prophets that we think. But prophesy. Did I I not speak in your name? Right? Did I not talk about the good news in bad situations? Did I not preach the word of God? Did I not cast out demons in your name? Right? And, And didn't I do many works in your name? Right? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. So understand that there's a group of people, right? And I'm thinking that the group of people is large, okay? So don't exclude yourself so easily, right? Because when we read these passages in the Bible, the first thing that we say, oh, that's not me, right? And one of the first, one of the first things to know that you're guilty of something, right, is being prideful of it, right? That's not me. I know who I am. Listen, don't exclude yourself so easily. I'm not saying that that God's going to turn his back on you. What I'm saying is we need to be careful. Because we do things in God's name, right? But at the same time, our lives aren't bearing fruit. What I mean to say is that there's much action, okay? There's outwardly action. But sometimes we bear fruit from the inside as well, right? And so what happens is, is that those people, and I'm thinking they're great in number because it says that the, the gate is narrow, Right? That few will walk through it. Okay? There's a statistic statistic I used to say, and I think I've said it to you before, that if Jesus were to come back for his church right now, anywhere, right? Especially in the Western culture in the United States, that about only 15 to 20% of everybody in every church would really be saved. How they came up with that, I have no idea, right? But it's a scary statistic. Okay? So let me uh, post to you the first problem that we have as believers going into a new year, 2014, right? 
Many of us think or believe that we have been raised with Christ because we have taken the action, but we have not surrendered fully. Okay? How do we know? We know it by fruits, by emotions, what we feel, by what Jesus did. How do you know this is you, right? Say, Pastor, am I guilty of this? Is this true in my life? I'm not really sure. What does that look like? Let me tell you this. If you have not a kingdom-focused outlook on life, then this is you. If you don't have a kingdom-focused mentality, then this is you. And then, of course, the next question you're going to ask is, well, Pastor, what, what is a kingdom-focused mentality? What is a kingdom-focused life? What does that even look like? Well, let me tell you. Let me just tell you that first, Jesus had a kingdom-focused mentality. Okay? And how do you know that? Well, here's what he did. Jesus prayed often. Okay? So ask yourself that question this morning. Do you pray often? Okay? We talked about that last week. Many of us pray, pray uh, be- well, we play too, but we pray right before we go to sleep, right? And what does that look like? Right? Oh, God. I love you, Lord. Amen. Hello? God? Uh, oh, wait. <laughs> wait, I was in the middle of praying, right? And we fall asleep. Because we fall asleep when we're tired, right? That's why we saw in Bible study, too, uh, this week about the dew in the morning, like the Holy Spirit, right? The manna coming down from heaven in the book of Exodus, right? And that's when we should seek God, right? Set aside discipline time in the morning. Start out your day, right? Right? With manna, with the bread of life. So Jesus prayed often. Jesus fasted, okay? Do you fast? I can't fast, God, because I have an emotional attachment with food. Okay? All right. Uh, I'm diabetic. I can't fast. I understand all those things, okay? But there's different ways of doing that also. Do you, do you, the, the idea here is do you sacrifice? Okay? Jesus often talked about the kingdom. Okay? Matthew 4.17. From that time, Jesus began to preach. Okay? So if you're wondering what Jesus' message was like, here it is. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The time is now. Don't waste any more time. The time is, the kingdom of God is here. So imagine if it was here 2,000 years ago, where does that leave us now? Right? We got to catch that bus before it leaves. Jesus, aside from being kingdom focused, he also seeked God often. Notice there in verse 1, it says, therefore, if you have been raised with Christ, seek. Okay? If you have a Bible there, highlight that word, seek. Luke 19, 9 and 10. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Okay? So I want to put a twist on that real quick. When I, when I, when I say seek, you're automatically thinking that Jesus seeked God. Yes, he did. But I want to tell you something. The reason why you want to seek Christ is because he first seeked you. Okay? It says it right there in verse 10. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost, okay? And the word seek there is to diligently be trying to find something that has been lost. Have you ever lost your car keys? Okay? Anybody ever lost their car keys here? Right? What do you do when you lose your car keys and you are late for an appointment, right? And it's uh, 20 miles away. You are going insane, all right? You're turning everything, all right? You're looking in the laundry, You'll, you'll even dig into the garbage, which you usually wouldn't do. You'll do things that normally aren't normal in your life, right? 
It doesn't matter how dirty the garbage is, you're going to stick your hand in there because you're thinking, what if when I threw away my empty plate of food that was all dirty and now, you know, nasty, mixed with all the I threw my keys in there, right? And so understand that the word seek is a diligent looking, all right, for God. So do you do that? Do you frantically look for God? Because I got to tell you that he frantically looked for you. And when he found you, he died on the cross for your sins. So why should you seek? All right? Because Jesus seeks you. Why should you have a kingdom-focused mindset? Because Jesus, in the kingdom of God, he is seated at the right hand of God. And if you have a kingdom-centered and focused mindset, the things of this world, like the hymn says, will grow strangely dim. Right? So the question that the gentleman asked me this week, how do you seek God outside of the church when you get out into the world? And I said to him, well, you know, the thing is that there was a time when I was about your age and I started to seek God, right? And and the things of the world were still very entertaining for me, right? I still struggled with the music. I still struggled with doing certain things. But now that I love God so much and now that I seek God often and he has seeked me, I no longer like those things. It really bothers me when I hear uh, the music that I used to listen to. And I've heard that to be true for many of you, right? Some of, some of you, uh, specifically, uh, some of us who are more influenced by music. We are talking about that in Bible study with Dominic and Connell the other day. We used to listen to certain music. Now when we go back and we, we look at that music, guess what? That music is no good. We look at it and we're like, we're talking about um, Connell specifically. I'll give you a specific example. You know, um, if, if you guys are too young for this, I understand. But we grew up listening to Easy e <laughs> What? <laughs> Who's that? <laughs> you can tell by the name it's old, right? <laughs> DJ Flex, you know? <laughs> uh, Master Flex, you know? Uh, but anyways, Easy e and then we're looking at some of his, uh, he had like this prayer thing. Our God, our Father. And when you realize what it really was, it wasn't really a prayer it was like a, 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 a prayer to the devil, right? And so you see that in, 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 in lyrics now. This guy, Kanye West, always talking about Jesus can't save you, right? And, and the church, whatever ends when, I don't know, he, he's talking about, and it's all spiritual, and we, talk, we talked about that, okay? Look at Romans 8, 14 through 18. So how do you stay away from the world when you're not in church? It's easy to stay away from the world right now, right? Because we've set this platform for you. You came, and we have an agenda. We sang four songs. Isabella sang a song, and it was cute. Too cute. Beautiful, really. All right? And then, and then you know, and we sang some other songs, right? And, and, and we have an agenda. Now you're being told a message that took time to prepare, right? And everything is great. But what do you do? How do you, how do you make it when you get out of here? Okay? And Romans 8, 14 through 18 says like this, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. Isn't fear like that thing, right, that we're all scared to go back to our old ways? And I've heard it. Pastor, I don't want to go back. I'm scared that I'm going to go back. I'm scared that I'm going to do what I used to do. Well, guess what? You did not receive the spirit of slavery. That's bondage. You didn't re- God didn't give you that. As a matter of fact, he cut you loose from that, okay? He doesn't want you to be fearful. But you have received the spirit of adoption. As whom 
we cry, Abba, Father. Amen. And the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. That's why we say Abba, Father. That's the, that's the intimate word that Jesus used to call his Father, Father. And so, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and follow heirs with Christ, fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer. Now, here's the thing. Provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. If you're not suffering as a Christian, something's wrong with you. Okay? Understand that. If you have given your life to Christ and everything is going great, something's wrong. Okay? That's why someone, when, when people give their life to God, they're on fire. Oh, pastor, man, I've been praying. I've been reading the Bible, man. This is great. Oh, man, I'm, I'm on fire. And I say to them, hold on. <laughs> Relax. Okay? Because it's coming, okay? Uh, like some of you say, the other shoe is going to drop, right? Um, because here's the thing. Following Christ is not easy, right? We, we just read it. The, the gate uh, and the path is narrow, right? And few will walk through it. Why do few walk through it? Because it's ugly, it's lonely, and it is filled with suffering, okay? So, you are heirs of Christ provided you suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. So, wait, pastor, why do I have to suffer? Well, here's the thing. You suffer because Christ also suffered. But what makes you better in Christ that you wouldn't suffer, okay? He died on the, on the cross for your sins, okay? Now, when you suffer, you're not going to suffer for the sake of the world, okay? But you're going to suffer for the sake of Christ. And last verse, therefore, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be real, revealed to us. So, okay, understand that, yeah, it's suffering... Okay, it sucks. It's not good. It really, really sucks a lot of times, but it's okay because one day, okay, you will get uh, to to the throne of God and Jesus will look at you and hopefully say, well done, good and faithful servant. And that right there, that moment in which your body is glorified along with Christ, that moment will be worth all the stuff that you went through here. It'll be like nothing compared to it. So I want to tell you that you are co-heirs of the throne. When the Bible says that he is seated at the right hand of God, there you are also with Christ, okay? Understand that. So we need to start thinking of ourselves, we're going to talk about that in a minute, we need to start thinking of ourselves as eternal beings, right? And that's how you get through suffering, right? When you look at yourself only on this planet, only in this flesh, only in this moment, it's hard. But when you say to yourself, wait a second, I'm a child of God, I'm a co-heir of the kingdom, and one day, I'm not even going to have this body, I'm going to have a different body glorified, and you know what, it's okay, because I'm an eternal being, God made me to be eternal, He saved me forever, right? And that'll make things a little bit easier to understand. So understand that it's the outlook that we have. My sister used to say to my dad, hey dad, I die today, and I wake up tomorrow with a new set of lungs. Isn't that awesome? That's what she used to say all the time. And see, she had an eternal uh, outlook on life, okay? She goes, I don't know what my lungs will look like, and I don't even know if they're going to be like human lungs, but I know that I'll be able to breathe eternally the way I can't breathe here physically, okay? So Colossians chapter 3, verse 1, that was only the first verse. We have 16 more to go. Okay, now I'm just playing. The other 16 are going to go by a lot faster, okay? That was just the introduction. All right, 
If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Okay, so why? Why seek the things above? Well, here's the thing, uh, verse 2 through 4. Now we'll start moving through them a little quicker. Set your minds on the things that are above, not on things that are on earth, right? Didn't we just say that, right? And for if you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Ever heard that before? That's a, that's a rare, maybe not so talked about often concept, right? When people preach, you don't hear, hey, your life is hidden in Christ and God, right? That's not, a, that's not a common thing. For when Christ is your life appears, then you also will, will appear with him in glory, okay? So not this earth. Let me give you another idea. Not only do you need to be kingdom focused, but you need to start thinking eternally. Like I just said, you are an eternal being. Stop limiting yourself, Okay? Uh, to think that you have an earthly, that you're just an earthly person, because when we sit on our, our things on earth, that's when we fail. How do you stop the ratchetness in 2014? <laughs> stop looking at, stop being earthly focused, right? Second Peter 1, uh, 5 through 9, for this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith. Understand that your faith is not... You're not strong enough. So supplement it with virtue, virtue with knowledge, knowledge with self-control, self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, right? That happens all the time. And godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. Look at this. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted, and he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed in his former sins. And also, let me give you another uh, part of Scripture there. Philippians three nineteen through 29. Their end is their, their destruction. Their God is their belly. And they glorify in their shame with minds set on earthly things. But here's the thing. Our citizenship is in heaven. Okay? That's why, you know, July 4th comes around. Everybody's raising the American flag, right? We need to get out of the mindset that we're Americans. We need to get out of the mindset that we're Colombians. Or maybe not so much Colombians. We need to get out of the mindset. We need to get out of the mindset that we're earthly people, right? All right? Or Dominicans, comiendo mangu or whatever, right? But, but we have a citizenship in heaven, okay? You know, you thought it was hard to get a green card here, but you got one in heaven already, okay? It is hard. Our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Watch this. Who would transform our lowly body uh, to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him to subject all things to himself. And see, you thought I made all that stuff up, and here it is, right? See, my problem is I haven't, and we haven't often told ourselves that the old us has died. I have that problem, too. I'm going to be honest with you as your pastor this morning. I have that problem, too. I often don't tell myself that, hey, Juan, you don't have to worry about this because your old self has died. I still have this mindset that I'm a sinner, and which is true. I'm never going to be perfect, but I constantly remind myself of the things that I used to do. And so, therefore, I blame my current actions or future actions on the things that have happened or that I have done. Do you see what I'm saying? Oh, well, God, you understand where I'm coming from because since I was abused, since I was tortured, since I was molested, when I was younger or in my life, I now act like this. 
Okay, that's understandable. There's some psychology there, right? And I'm, neg- and I'm not negating that if that has happened to you. Okay? But then we also have the mindset, you see, God, because I've sinned so much when I was younger, because I did this, because I did that, I now have a knowledge of this, I now have a knowledge of that, and now I have a hard time. But here's what Christ is saying. He's like, you don't have to worry about that. I've put it all behind you. Okay? It's dead, and it can't... Co- what, what, if something is dead, what does that mean? Right? It can't come back, Right? Every time I preach at a, at a funeral, I tell people the same thing. Every time, especially when there's unbelievers there. Oh, pastor, can you explain something to me? I know that my brother just died, but I saw him in my room last night. You know, I saw him there. He was standing there. I saw him. I talked to him. I'm like, no, you didn't. Oh, yeah, I did. I promise you I saw him, okay? And no, you didn't, okay? Because he's dead. He can't come back. If you saw your brother there in the flesh, explain how he walked up out of the morgue, walked, got a ride to your house, and stood there. It doesn't happen, right? There's a physical, logical explanation as to why you can't see dead people, okay? Um, because people say that. He was, you know, and of course, that's a whole other sermon. Let me move on here. Now, understand that it is hard, that this is hard, okay? Our hearts will always be ready to argue that fact, okay? Of whether or not your old self has died. But we are hidden in Christ. And I mean literally hidden in Christ. Here's what that means. Just what the Bible says of the Holy Spirit. It's saying here about you and I. What does it mean to be hidden in Christ? Okay. Understand that if you saw God right now. Or if God saw you. Mostly if you saw God. Okay. You would die. Right. Because you're you're not glorified. Your body can't handle the presence of God. Right. Uh, so when the Bible says that you are hidden in Christ, it literally means that. And it says the same thing about the Holy Spirit. Look at John 14, 15 through 17. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, okay? And if I, and if, and I will ask the Father that he will give you another, a helper, capital H, helper to be with you forever, even uh, the Spirit of Truth. Again, Spirit capitalized, right? Whom the world cannot receive, Okay? Because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells in you and he will be in you. So understand that when the Bible says that you are hidden in Christ, okay, that means that people no longer see you. People no longer know you, okay? God no longer sees you for the sinful person that you are. Instead, he sees you through his son crucified and resurrected, okay? And that's how he's able to love you. That's how he's able to see you. So don't be surprised when the world rejects who you are. Don't be surprised when you give your life to God and people say, Oh, you used to be so cool. Now you're just a Bible thumper. You know, oh, you used to be so cool, bro. We used to go to the club and hang out and get drunk. and Right? And that's why I tell you guys, be careful what you do with your friends. With your worldly friends, that is, right? Be careful that you go out with them the places they go. Because here's the thing about the world. They'll expect you to go with them places. But when you say, hey, that's awesome. We went out tonight. We had such a great time. You want to come to church tomorrow morning? Oh, no. I'm Mormon. Sorry. I'm Jewish. I'm Catholic. No, I'm going to be tired. I'm going to be hungover. I can't go. They'll give you every single excuse in the book. But they expect you to go with them places. All right? And if you say no, then you're obviously just a Christian and you're boring and all those things. Colossians 3 verse 4. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Understand that when God sees you through Christ, he doesn't see you as 
earthly, the way we said before, he sees you eternal. He doesn't see your body, yet he sees your renewed mind, body, and soul. I dare to say that that's why he loves the Lord, your God, right? That's why the Bible says, love the Lord, your God, with all your, what? Okay, all right, that was bad. He says, <laughs> Luke, <laughs> let's try that again. Luke chapter 10, verse 27, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor even. Even your neighbor in that, as yourself. However, in order to get there as well, there is a physical sacrifice. In order for you to obey his commandments, in order for you to love God fully, Colossians 3, 5, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, okay? Now, here's where we start getting into the list. Here's where you can start taking a moral inventory, a spiritual inventory of your life. Sexual morality, okay? Is that you? Impurity, is that you? Passion, evil, desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Notice that when it says put to death, it doesn't mean for you to kill yourself off. Because I know some of your Bibles say members, right? Things that have become members of your body, okay? I don't know what version of the Bible you have. Some of it says that, okay? But it means things that have become a part of you, Okay? It's like a cancer, right? That's the, old, that's the old analogy. That's the old reasoning behind that. What do you do with cancer, right? You treat it. When you have a cancer, you go and you get chemotherapy, right? And it, yeah, it's going to hurt you. Your hair is going to fall out, right? You're going to have uh, side effects from that. But you're going to kill this thing. You're going to get rid of it because you don't want it. It's no good for you. It's going to make you die. And the wages of sin is what? It's death, right? The wages of sin is death. So you don't want that. Okay? Notice here that these are all actions. Sexual morality, impurity. Those are all action-filled sins. Notice on the next couple of verses, you're going to see motive. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. And these two, you once walked when you were living in them. Again, Paul is assuming that we're no longer there. But now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Okay? These are motives. Okay? Put them all away. The actions and the motives are equally bad. Put them away like an old rag, right? You don't want to take it back out. It's been used already. Okay? So I no longer cheat on my wife, but I think about it. Same thing. Okay? I no longer do drugs, <laughs> but I, I smell them, you know? <laughs> or I sell them, right? Equally bad, right? Oh, pastor, I don't smoke weed anymore. But when my friends come over, man, they smoke in the room. And, oh, man, I remember. And I even get like a secondhand smoke. And it feels great. You know? And those things, right? It's equally bad, the action and the motive, right? Sorry if that example was, you know, a little. Colossians 3, 9 and 10. Do not lie to one another. Seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and to put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Finally, here... United as a church, we move forward. There's some accountability in your new year. There's some accountability of coming to church, okay? I know coming to church can be difficult for some people, but here's the thing. You need help. We read a very uh, strong passage in, the, in Exodus the other day where Moses took the same staff in which he had led the people out of Egypt with, right? And they had uh, fallen into war, right? This is after they've parted the Red Sea and everything, and they parted the Red Sea. And as long as Moses raised his hands and worshiped to God, right, as long as his hands were raised, they won the war. But when Moses' hands got tired, 
they would start losing the war. So what did they do? Aaron and somebody else. I forgot the name. It's Aaron and somebody else. They came and underneath him, they held up his hands and they made a seat for him so that his hands wouldn't fall. Man, and there's some imagery there. All right? Come to church and your brothers and your sisters are going to make sure that you don't fall. Only, hold on, only if you let them. Right? Can you imagine if Moses was like, I can do this all by myself, man. Get out of here. Right? And, and, and then, and then his, his arms would fall, right? And the people would fail because that's how hard-headed we are. We don't want help. I told somebody the other day, listen, they, they complained about, about uh, a church situation. And I said, usually in my life, when I've complained about the church, it's because there was something wrong with me. Okay? So I, I dare you to look at yourself and see what's going on in your life. Because if you're in the church, right, everything is fine. When you're okay with God, you love everybody. Even if somebody does something bad to you, even if they say something bad to you, you're like, it's okay because I love God and I love them and I can forgive them. But when you start walking away from God, then the church, oh, the church, they're a bunch of hypocrites. I don't want to go there. They don't even like me, you know. And that's when we start looking at the church. So there's accountability here. The reason why I say that, do not lie, okay. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self. Listen, that's the old you. And when, and when the Bible says this, it means literally do not lie about simple stuff. I don't know why when we come to Christ and we're in their church, we lie to each other so much. And oftentimes we justify it because, hey, you know, I know I told you a lie, my brother, but I just didn't want to hurt your feelings, you know. And so we justify it by like, I was doing you a favor, <laughs> you know. You weren't going to get hurt, but I was going to tell you that so I just lied to you. But listen, we need, to, we need to put, that's the old stuff, right? We need to leave that outside the church walls, right? Let's not lie to one another about the simplest things, the simplest things. Do not lie to one another that you put off the old self. Genesis 1, 26, 27. Why do you not want to lie? Because you're now, uh, your new self is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Right? It says that there, right? In verse 10. And knowledge after the image of its creator. What is the image of us in God? What does that mean? Genesis 1, 26. And God said, let us make men our image. After our likeness, let them have dominion over the fish, so on and so forth. Verse 27. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. Okay? Again, when we think of this, we think, oh, I know that God made me a nose because God probably has a nose, right? I know that God made me hands because he probably has hands, you know? We have an earthly outlook on ourselves. Again, I tell you, start thinking eternally. I dare to say that when God said, let's make man in our image, what he meant to say is, I am a Trinitarian God, right? I am God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And so therefore, I'm going to make people like me in my image, which means what? Body, soul, and spirit. I'm going to make a tripper type man, is what they call it. Right? A three, a, a, it, it, when people uh, have a hard time explaining the Trinity, that's what I tell them. Think of yourself. Your body, soul, and spirit. That's the same thing, but you're, you're all together one person. Right? Uh, we, we were in youth group on Friday, and, and Matthew read to us an article and it really did all these twists and turns to explain the Trinity, when in actuality, if we really just stop thinking so 
little and we start thinking more of, a, of God, right, um, we can see that what he really meant to say was, it's just simple. I'm a Trinitarian God and you're a Trinitarian person or a Tripartite. I guess Trinitarian would be more of a divine thing. Colossians 3, 12 through 15, put on then, put it on, right, like clothes. Remember we talked about clothes? As God chosen one's holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Understand that this is something that you have to put on. It doesn't come naturally, okay? You didn't just get this. Somebody gave it to you, and you have to put it on. There's an action there, okay? Bearing with one another, and if, <clears throat> and if one has a complaint against another, which we often do, Forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. <clears throat> how could you say, look at 1 John, how could you say you love God whom you have not seen, right? And not love your brother whom you do see. What does it say right after that? You are a liar, right? <clears throat> You're a liar. If you say you love God, right, but you can't even forgive the person next to you, you're a liar. That's what the Bible says, not me. First John, I can't remember where it says it right now, but it says it. Okay, look at Google, Google. Okay. And, and above all these, put on love. How do you get here? How do you get there? How do you put on meekness? How do you forgive people? You put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. That's our problem. Many of us don't have the peace. What is the peace of Christ? Salvation, right? Uh, knowing that he died on the cross for our sins and that the old self, you don't have to take account for it anymore because he already did that for you on the cross. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, with thankfulness in your hearts to God. You know, this verse 16 right here, we often do this before all the other verses, right? We have no problem singing to God. We love the music. It's great. It makes me feel good, right? I, you go to a church, and the more lights you have, the more, you know, stuff up here, it's easier to even feel more. I got goosebumps in that church. Oh, my God, right? Um, so this is easy for us to to uh, teach or, or to sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. So a lot of us have a relationship with God based on the hype, right? We go to church and there's a hype happening. Oh, man, Sunday was off the chain, man. This guy Pedro came. I didn't know who he was, but, man, this guy sang so good, right? And then next Sunday, he's like, oh, you know, that guy wasn't there anymore. I didn't really like it. I'm going to go to a different church, Right? And you know, people go looking for churches like they do, like they're shopping. You ever seen somebody leave a church? I, 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 I've been there. I've been there. You go to a church and you say, you know, I really like the pastor, but, I, you know, I, I just didn't like the way they shook my hand when I walked in. You know what I mean? They weren't friendly like in the other church. You know, I, I just, I don't know. You know? you know, I really liked the people when I walked in. They gave me a mint, and the guy, he had a strong, firm handshake. I mean, the greeters were great, and the seats were really comfortable. But the preacher, he was, he was like, I don't know. He didn't look like a preacher to me, you know? He just didn't, eh, something didn't seem right, you know? You know, I really like this church, but the worship was awful. I mean, that girl should not be singing, okay? I, I don't know who made that, you know, people should have a talent, you know? And, and that's how we look at things sometimes. We shop around for God, right? 
You look at God like, people even say it. God has something big in store for you. So apparently there's a store somewhere. You know? There is. And people walk into the store and you choose the things that which God gives you. You know? And you say, oh God, I want that. And how much can I buy that for? You know? And I hear that often. People say, God has something big in store for you. It's never something small, by the way. Right? Never had somebody come up to me and say, hey, God has something very little for you. Very little and humble for you. Right? A small church. 40 people at the most, maybe. But he's going to bless you. And you're going to worship God for the rest of your life. And you're, and you're going to live in God. I never heard that. God has something big in store for you, my friend. Mega church, okay? We're talking big bucks, okay? I mean, we're talking a lot of people, okay? You're going to have to start. You know that people have come in here? into our church, and because um, a person left once, okay? And they said that um, the vision was too small for the church. And I said, what do you mean by that? And, and they said, because your vision is not, like, you don't, you don't, like, I don't see you, like, really talking about, like, money and growing and stuff like that. And I said, really? My vision is too small? And, and we had a conversation. That person left. And he said, our vision was too small. You know? Uh, Colossians, last verse. I told you it would move quick. <clears throat> Colossians 3.17. And whatever you do in word or in deed, right, in motive or in action, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And you want to come up, Pedro? And, and here's the thing. The reason why it says that. <laughs> this is how this is how the Bible binds you, right? Whatever you do, whether it be an action or a motive in your life, do it in the name of Jesus, right? Um, giving thanks to God the Father. Why do you think the Bible says the Bible says that? Because it knows. Because God knew when He inspired the Bible that you better not be doing no righteous stuff in the name of Jesus, right? Because how does that look, right? Right? You go and you beat somebody up in the name of Jesus. Right? Somebody cuts you off, you get out of the car, and you start flicking them off in the name of Jesus, thanking God the Father? It doesn't work that way. That's why the Bible says, thank you, Josiah. That's why the Bible says that. Right? So I, I, I want to tell you this morning, um, and I want to give you a challenge. I'm going to give you a challenge, right? And, and it's not like the New Year's resolution challenge. Because if you think about it, you want to turn the light? Set the mood, right? Turn on the light. Um, but if you think about it, if you think about it, there, there is a, the, the calendar, the numbers just change, right? If you think about it like this, tomorrow's the same day as today. It's a, it's a different, the sun goes up, the sun goes down. We describe it. By calling it different names of the week. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, right? But what if we had an eighth day? I mean, it would all be the same. Obviously, there's, there's a reason for all that. But what I'm saying to you is, is if, you just, if you just change the calendar, if you just flip the page, nothing changes. It's just another page. It's another number. But if you start to look at yourself differently, knowing that you're hidden in Christ through God, 
then your life is going to start to change. And listen, I'm not telling you it's easy. I'm not telling you that it's been easy for me and that I do that all the time. Okay? Understand that your pastor messes up probably more often than he'd like to. You know? But I understand that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. And I understand that I serve a God who will never fail me. And I understand that I serve a God in which there is no store where I have to purchase anything from him. Because all has been purchased by the blood of the Lamb. And so everything that I have in Christ is free. And the best way that I can move forward in this is to do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And the reason why that's important, because if I do that, not only do I have accountability from my brothers and sisters in the body of Christ, in the church, in the physical church, but I also have an accountability from Christ Jesus. Because I'm not going to do something sinful and put Jesus' name on it. At least not in the right way. So I want to pray with you this morning. I want to ask you that you bow your head, okay? And what I want to do is I want to ask you that question that it asked or that it kind of posed in verse 1. If you have been raised with Christ. Maybe you're sitting here today and the way you read that verse, it says to you, since you have been raised with Christ. Maybe you, you're not so sure about your salvation, so you read that verse and it says, if you have been raised with Christ. Or, maybe you're the other kind of person that says, when you have been raised with Christ. And that's the question I ask you this morning. When will you be raised with Christ? If Jesus were here, which he is, and he were talking, which he is, he would ask the question to you and say, what are you waiting for? The time is now. The kingdom of God is at hand. Jesus has already seeked you. He's already died on the cross for your sins. So I want to make that possibility available to you today. For you to start seeking the things above. For you to put away anger and malice and impurity and covetousness and idolatry. And for you to start looking at the things in which God wants you to look at. Kindness and meekness and humility and love. And the way you do that is by starting to give your heart to God. And it's not a prayer. Let me tell you that if you pray this morning and, and then you just walk out of here this morning, there's going to be a long road ahead of you. But it starts with that. I can tell you it starts with that. The idea here is that if you pray this morning that you want God to enter your life, um, that there will be an immediate change because you confess with your lips that he is God and that you've repented for your sins. And then the rest of the process will be progressive. Regeneration is immediate. And the sanctification progress is just that. The progress that which will take the rest of your life. But you will live knowing that you have a Christ who died for your sins and that he loves you. Let's pray. Let me pray for you.
If you are that person, just pray. Pray right there in your chair and say, God, I don't know exactly how this is done. I'm not sure exactly how to live this life, but I know that there's something wrong. I know that there's something missing in my life. And I know, and I know that I know that you are whom you say you are. You are the resurrected Son of God. And so I want to give my life to you, however that looks. And I want to do that today, God. Father, I pray. I pray for this church. I pray for all three people who are here reading these verses that say, if you have been raised, and since you have been raised, and specifically for the person that reads it that says, when will you be raised with Christ? And I pray for that person now, Lord. I pray that they would give their life to you, Lord. Uh, Now, Father, and as they start to move forward, that this church would be the kind of people that would hold their hands up the way they held up Moses' arms there as your people battled and had victory over the enemy. Father, we know that just the way that you've led Israel out of Egypt, out of captivity, that you've left our sins behind and that you've broken uh, the chains of bondage. And so you have not given us the spirit of slavery to fear to fall back into the things in which we once were, but instead you've given us a spirit of bondage in you to have freedom to know that what we once were is no longer because we are hidden in you God we are hidden in Christ in front of God Holy Spirit we ask that you would guide us that you would give us a spirit of truth that you would be our helper so that we can also be co-heirs of the kingdom that we could be there with God as you look at him glorified in his body that you would also look at us one day also glorified in our new body. Father, we love you. And we sing to you now. Saying, all I need is you.